The war-torn pavement was peppered with potholes. Our driver, Malu Malu, was successful in swerving to miss most of them. Mm, snakes were a different issue. The hot African sun had coaxed scores of large and deadly green and black mamba snakes out of their jungle lairs and onto the parched asphalt. The only road maneuver performed by Malu Malu when he spotted a large snake on the roadway was to take deadly aim at the snake, even if it meant darting over to the wrong side of the road. When the Toyota Land Cruiser was within striking distance, Malu Malu would slam on the brakes and skid the tires over the body of the reptile, rolling it up like a sailor's knot. But that wasn't good enough. Once the SUV had come to a screeching stop, our government driver would throw the vehicle into reverse and back over the snake again. Then, for good measure, he would yank the gear shift down once more into drive and run over the snake once again. I put my hand on our driver's shoulder and asked him, Is wrapping up mambas into pretzels your most favorite sport? Malu Malu looked over at me. His eyes were stern, his jaw set. A snake like that just recently killed my sister, and there is no reason to allow that snake to slither into a peaceful village and kill another innocent person. Okay. I was in the Democratic Republic of Congo in fulfillment of my duties as founder and chairman of Project Cure. Commission on Urgent Relief and Equipment, a non-governmental agency dedicated to providing life-saving medical supplies to lesser-developed nations. The Democratic Republic of Congo certainly qualified, since war and governmental corruption had beggared the country and reduced its already rudimentary health care institutions to desecrated shells. My specific task was to perform needs assessment studies on hospitals and clinics that might be restored, at least in some measure, through the aid of Project Cure. Poisonous mambas were the least of my worries. I was in dangerous territory in the jungles of post-coup Congo. I was riding in the Minister of Health's Toyota through the great rainforest basin of the Congo River on the road from the capital city, Kinshasa, to a remote settlement called Kempesi, an area with a population of approximately 200,000. Just weeks before, on January 18, 2001, one of dictator Laurent Desiree Kabila's trusted army generals had assassinated the dictator in his home. A gun battle raged within the Kinshasa presidential palace for about an hour and a half before the coup succeeded in taking over the government. It had taken Laurent Kabila, a Hutu, and a protege of President Yoweri Museveni of Uganda, nearly 32 years to overthrow Mobutu Sese Seko, the previous diabolical dictator of the Democratic Republic, under whose government the country was called Zaire. As an insurgent freedom fighter, Kabila had wooed the armies of the neighboring Uganda and Rwanda to help him overthrow Mobutu Sese Seko. 
As soon as he had the reins of power well in hand, Kabila double-crossed Uganda and Rwanda by cutting deals with Angola, Zimbabwe, and Namibia for diamonds, gold, and oil reserves. Lord Kabila's dictatorship lasted only 32 months. During his short and bloody stint, he oversaw the murder of nearly 4.5 million people. In those weeks of chaos, armed troops from Zimbabwe, Angola, Namibia, Uganda, and Rwanda were roving the countryside, pillaging the remnants of the country's resources and raping its women. I had been asked to travel to Congo by one of Project Cure's